Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are you serious? Hello, this is How to Kill an Hour. There's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you for killing some time in advance with us. My name is Marcus Bronzy, and I am joined by the delightful. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience, please, sir? I am the uh, producer of How to Kill an Hour, producer Bill. How you doing, Bill? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's an exciting time of year. The most wonderful time of the year, should we say. Christmas time. And the UK is getting ready to hunker down and spend time with their family mandatory <laughs> mandatorily basically <laughs> man but all joking aside though bill you you had a little bit of a, had a little bit of a scare didn't you well still yeah i'm just under isolation period for right now but you but not is- under isolation because you 100% have covid though right you you actually used the app right what 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 is it like what is what happens when you use the app and it tells you that you've been in con- the contact tracing app by the way just to be clear it just opens up. It pings you saying, oh, you've come into contact with someone who tested positive. You open the app and it says, give you a bit of information before you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, then you just click, click OK. And then it tells you, you must self-isolate for X amount of days and you may leave isolation on the date and then the time. And that's the number of days that you've had to stay in then, right? Yeah, so it's the X amount of days. And it says you may leave self-isolation on x amount of time at 23.59 okay cool oh wow did, did, how, did it worry you a bit or did you feel like how does it make you feel knowing that the app knew where you were and you may have been in contact with somebody who's had covid19 i don't give a fuck about it i don't give a fuck if the app knows where i am google knows where you are <laughs> apple knows where you are Everyone facebook knows, knows where, you where you are twitter knows where you are instagram definitely knows the booty pictures that billy's looking at and saving into his little vault. Yeah, hey, I know about you, Bill. <laughs> hey, hey. The first, so, uh, the first vault. Yeah, oh, moving move swiftly on. Moving move swiftly on. on. Um, um, but yeah, no, you are I, well, I, though, I, Bill. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Okay, I'm cool. good. Yeah, right. I think the, this just shows a good way of how technology is if people decide to use it correctly. Yeah, man. I think it's, I think, look, you're safe. If it's helped to prevent you getting corona, then I'm happy to have more stuff like this moving forward, man. Let's do it. Let's have more of this in the world. Um, yeah, no one's tracking you. Just well, you are just, being tracked technically, but you know, not well, you mean you yeah, mean like not in, at the same you mean time. like it's like a, a follow from somebody that you like instead of somebody following you down the street. It's like a follow There's on no Twitter. Nefari- yeah, yeah. It's not There's nefarious. no nefarious intentions. Is that is that the right word? Nefarious. Yeah, ho- hopefully. Until Skynet takes over and uses all that information to kill us. But hopefully that's going to happen after we're on this planet. Hopefully. Because I don't think I'm ready for a Terminator type fate. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, before we crack on with today's show, we've got a good guest on today's show. Very good guest on today's show. Can't wait to talk to him because he um, is something to do with something that I love consuming. If you know me and you know the podcast, then um, yeah, you definitely... Uh, we'll kind of have an idea of where we're going to get with this, what kind of sci-fi direction we're going to take it in. But anyway, before we get onto that, time to talk about how we've been killing a bit of time. I'm not going to talk about Cyberpunk 2077, Bill. Um, I I'm will not. touch on it briefly. Do you want to talk is, about it? Okay, cool. It's you amazing. Talk about it. And then we'll leave it at that. It's an amazing game. And I think it's going to be an amazing game once they update it. Because... 
I think everyone's been under a lot of pressure. We've never seen such a enthusiasm to take a title in a direction that no other title has taken it before. I think apart from Rockstar, and I'm going to circle back to Rockstar in a minute, I don't think there are many people that have produced games that push the boundaries like CD Projekt have done with Cyberpunk 2077. Now, the issue that a lot of people have had recently, and this is kind of time sensitive, so if you're listening to this after December 2020, then it's going to be a different scenario, I pray, is the game's crashing a lot, man. I've had a lot of crashes. It's upset me. Um, I'm not going to shit talk the game though, because the game's amazing. I can tell like it, the, the audio sounds amazing in it. The story writing is great. It's pulling me in. It's probably pulling me in. It's going to pull me in deeper than Fallout 4 did. And that was my top type of game. Um, and I love the pacing of it. I'm also, I'm not trying to spoil it too much in the moment because it's a brand new game, but yeah, Bill, I've been, I've been having glitchy, glitchy error errors on PS5, man. Like it wasn't playable, bro. And what I don't want to happen, Bill, is I don't want to play the game. And I've had a couple of mates that have kind of missed bits of side mission because somebody's glitched out of the game and they can't find them again. I want those fixed before I play it, bro. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not shitting on it because it's a good game, bro. But I'm just like, I don't know if My I want it said that too. I don't want to put effort into something and then it doesn't work. And then I can't go back because this is the kind of game where it's so highly customization. It's so, such a high level of customization. I can't just use someone else's save file that isn't corrupted. Like my character looks like me. I have, I've decided the length of his penis, bruv. Yeah. That's the level mm. of detail. I've decided the length of my avatar's penis and you, no, I can't give, I know if I'm going to put that amount of effort into somebody. Yeah. Then I kind of want the game to be stable. So look, I'm going to say to the guys at CD Projekt, look, best of luck in making sure the game's a bit more stable and a bit better. It looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic when it works. Uh, and then I think we'll give it a proper review when things uh, get a bit better for it. The game's in profit already. They made their money back, <laughs> apparently, though. Yeah. So they're in a good place. I mean, so I th- yeah, go on. One thing I will say before we move on is that um, I haven't screamed at the telly like, oh my God, like, yeah. like just working out the story. Yeah. Um, as I go on, think, oh my God, this has happened, that's happened, oh, that's why that's happened. Yeah, it's it's deep. just for a long, long time. It's deep, it's deep, it's deep. And I, again, look, I'm not scared to give something a bad review, but and I'm not, but I just want to be clear, I'm not giving it a bad review. I just think they're under a bit of pressure. But somebody said to me, oh, when you make a game that's like that, you know, it's it's never going to be right. And, and this is why I said I'd circle back to Rockstar. Uh, Rockstar, when Red Dead dropped, there were some glitchy, glitchy bits that were funny. It was quite stable, man. It was a lot more stable, and I think the reason that, that they can do that is because they're a bit they're a bit rebellious. They're like, "Well, fuck you." The game will come out when it's ready. They were the original. We'll take seven years to you know develop this game and make sure that it's bang on. If you have to get it a little bit late, cool, but it's gonna work. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I feel like I feel like maybe people wanted the game. They you know they didn't want delays. They didn't want the thing is people didn't want the game to come out late. They wanted it to be on time. They didn't want the staff to work overtime <laughs> because, because obviously it's unfair and unhealthy and they want the game to work. Now, to get all of those three things done, it's hard, man. So, you know, uh, if I, I wouldn't be upset if it took a little longer to drop, but I get why they kind of needed to drop it now in this kind of crucial uh, period of time with regards to uh, consoles dropping. But, you know, anyway, that's enough of that. We'll talk more about that soon. Cyberpunk 2077, the not review. It wasn't a review, right? Um, we also got our hands on the DJI Pocket 2. Now, this is something I am super happy with. The DJI Osmo Pocket is basically a small device which has a camera on it and a gimbal. Imagine someone ripped the camera off a, off a drone and slapped it on a little stick with a battery on it, and you can use this little gimbal to take videos and take pictures 4k videos at 60 frames a second pictures they're enormous and glamorous number of megapixels that i cannot remember even it can it can even do slow-mo shots which it synthetically pulls together to take in like things that like it likes to say four times or eight times slow slow but like 120 frames 240 frames a second uh and this osmo pocket 2 promised to fill in the gaps we reviewed the osmo pocket one which we said looked good it's it it, it was great um they promised all of these extra attachments, which would kind of help you get better sound out of it because the sound was a bit of an issue. Um, and the camera was good. It was decent. With the Osmo Pocket 2, they've given you a bigger uh, sensor, which means you've got better image, works slightly better in low light as well. 
Um, a few extra features on it as well, like motion lapse and hyperlapse with really good tracking, which is cool. Uh, it works decently in darkness uh, as well. We've, we've t- shot some bits in the dark um, and it's a package which is upgraded on the quality of the last Osmo. But Bill, one thing that blew my socks off, right? And we've shot a video for this, uh, which we're going to put out. But should we put a link to it in the show description, Bill? Let's do it. Let's do that. Why wouldn't we? Um, blue, what blew me, Bill, was... What blew me? Yeah, the Osmo blew me. What blew me away was the fact that it has this little device you pop on the bottom of it, which is a Bluetooth receiver, which means, one, you can control it with your phone at distance, uh, and two it connected to a Bluetooth microphone, which I just clipped on to my top and you could hear everything I was saying clear as day. And that was another thing that I was kind of like the last one. I was like, Oh, just I wish it was a bit easier to get a mic in there. Um, and also, um, with this little mic pack that you wear, you can plug your own lapel mic into it. So it looks even more low key. So I was like, and, and also Bill, all of this stuff that I've just told you about, I'm going to tell you about more weight. There's also a wide angle lens that you can slap on it too. Um, and yeah, all of that stuff that I've just mentioned, the Osmo, the wide angle lens, the connector that helps you connect it to your phone. Um, what else was I talking about? Oh, the camera bit, all, uh, sorry, the, the, the microphone bit, all, the Bluetooth attachment as well. All of that stuff all connects into one like thing that you can just hold in your hand. Like you have a full creation studio in your hand something that you can record film on and then you can plug it into your phone and also upload straight away. I've, I've always wanted to have something I can hold in my hand that has decent audio and decent video. And I feel, feel like we've got it with the Osmo Pocket 2, man. Is it the best camera in the world? No, because it's pocket sized, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's not a, a film camera, but does it look good? Yeah, it looks decent. Um, and we've shot some really cool stuff that I'd love to show to you guys if you want to check it out. It will be on the How to Kill an Hour YouTube. We'll, we'll make sure that we get it out before the show's out as well or close to when the show's out, shall I say. But yeah, but I was very impressed with it, man. Very impressed. Um, it's probably the most complete media package, the most complete content creator package I've had where you don't need your mobile phone. You can, but you don't need your mobile phone to make it work. So it's cool, man. It's really, really good. Really, really good. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it sounds like an all-in-one kit and caboodle, perfect for YouTube and yeah. vlogging. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. It's all that kind of, that kind of thing. Definitely. I'm going to go out when it's lighter because we've shot some stuff in the dark before we uh, finish the review. I'm going to go out and shoot. This wider video might be a little bit late. I'm going to go out and I'm going to shout. Uh, I'm going to drop some um, extra uh, bits of content in a lighter environment and see what I can get out of it. So that's the DJI Pocket 2. Honestly, in terms of content creation, if, if you want to get into YouTube and you want something that does it all, or if you're an established YouTuber, but you want something that's slimline, that way you can sound good and look good, it's the winner, mate. It's the winner. It's decent decent and you don't rinse your phone battery using it because it ain't using your phone it can work independently uh and we also used it to actually shoot the bh51m neo helmet from Livall. Livall, Livall, Livall. i don't know if i'm saying it wrong or right bill Livall, Livall, Livall. Livall. i'm not sure myself either l-i-v-a-l-l uh, we got our hands on a smart helmet which i thought just had lights on it I really thought it just had lights on it that like you could use with your mobile phone if you connect it via Bluetooth. No, this helmet here, right, connects your phone via Bluetooth uh, and also has a little attachment that you can attach to any handlebar really, really easily and quickly, which means you can use this with like Uber bikes and Lime bikes and whatever. But this helmet, Bill, connects to your phone and this little device and it has indicators on it that indicate left and right, brake light on it, indicators on the front, Bluetooth connection that plays music. You can also use Siri with as well to answer calls. And it's a safety helmet. Why haven't we had this in the past, bruv? Why haven't we had, that? Why haven't I had to attach lights to my rucksack or turn them on on my bike? Why not just have them on my head? It makes total sense, doesn't it? And I don't, well, and it's a smart helmet. So I don't know why, like you say, no one else has ever really thought of it before. Yeah, man. Um, especially with the headphone part. It's decent. And also that little, and also the little indicator thing, because you don't want to be looking at your phone while you're riding your bike. Dangerous. The little indicator thing that you can select, uh, that you can clip onto any bike. The fact, like I just said, you can clip it onto a, sco- a scooter. You can clip it onto a bicycle. It means I could use like the Boris bikes. I could use the, the Uber bikes that they have or whatever you have in your city. And I could just walk around with that helmet, jump on a bike. And I know that all the lighting's safe and that I can indicate and stuff like that. I just feel like if, 
it's one of those things. I'm like, why the frig have we not had that before? Like in a, in something mm. that works so well. Um, yeah. So I, re I really like it. It looks really, really good. Obviously uh, if they could improve the sound quality because the, the microphones in the, in the helmet aren't, right in your ears so they're not really for high fidelity listening but if you wanted to make a quick call just be like i'm on my bike riding i'll call you back later when i'm not it's it's you're able to do that do you know what i mean i like it perfect yeah it's decent it's decent i was, I was really pleasantly surprised with that also got a video coming out for that as well and we also shot some of that uh on an osmo but we also shot some of the stuff with the helmet on a moment lens now bill I hate, a moment lens is an anamorphic lens for your iPhone or for your smartphone, right? Now, what is an anamorphic lens? I don't know if this is the right podcast for me to go into it, but pretty much they affect the way light goes into your camera sensor. They squish it in a way that looks a bit weird when you film with it. Everyone looks a bit egghead shaped. And then when you get it into mm. the edit... You can uh, you unsquish it and it looks super cinematic. Um, and the moment lens adds a little bit of a color profile to your images. I felt like it, it added a bit of um, I don't know. I feel like it pulled out the colors a little bit. I don't know. I, I need to investigate a little bit more, which uh, you will see in the video that we've launched as well. But it also made the most awesome lens flares, Billy Boy, Bill, flaring L, mate, flaring L. It was flaring everywhere. We looked super widescreen and I used it with the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And I have to say in low light conditions, which is also where we tried it, it really stood out. Have I, have I sent you the video clip yet, Bill, or not? Uh, I think so, yeah, but I haven't, I haven't watched it myself yet. Oh, it's a nice one, Bill. Too, too busy doing other podcasts. Too busy sorting out today's guests, pretty much. Um, but yeah, it looks so cool, man. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, if you've watched Star Trek all of the new Star Trek films, there's loads of lens flare in there. And you kind of get this anamorphic bokeh, 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 bokeh. How do you call it? Bokeh, 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 bokeh. And it just kind of adds this depth of field, which it just feels so cinematic, man. It feels, it feels lovely, man. It's, it's just such a joy. And uh, man, I, I really want to have more time with this lens. I really think you should look into it. And what's great is that you can actually connect it the way it connects to your phone is via the smartphone case. So if you have the lens and you change your phone over the years, you just have to get the new case for it. So we've obviously got the thin case for the Apple iPhone 12 Pro. I'm just holding it in my hands. And it has this little device that clicks into your case and then your, you can connect your lens to it, then disconnect your lens, put it in your pocket. Again, what I like about this is it's cinematic vibes, but it's in your pocket. It's small. It's like zero stress. So it's like, this is another thing. Like all the things I've spoken about today, I think they've really helped me to just continue being creative on the go. Like the fact that I know I can put a cinematic lens in my pocket and just slap it onto my camera if I see something nice. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. We, we did some shooting around central London um, when we thought it would be quiet. It wasn't that quiet. So we kind of went home after a little while, but we managed to get some great shots, man. Amazing shots. Lens flare is on fleek. Anyway, I think I can't wait to see it. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll look forward to showing it to you, man. Uh, anyway, so we did speak about lens flare and Star Trek. And I'm really happy to say on today's show, we are going to be joined by David Ajala, who is a British actor who is absolutely kicking ass at the moment in Star Trek Discovery. Um, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I don't know. If you don't know, I've watched all of the Star Treks. And as I'd finished watching all of the Star Treks, that five-year mission to do all of that, so that's a pun if you're a Trek fan. Uh, once I finished doing that, the new Picard came out, uh, Discovery had come out, and then also, uh, uh, what else did we have? Oh, Lower Decks came out, and we spoke to Mike McMahon from Lower Decks. And then we got some more Star Trek. I mean, we've had 25 weeks of fresh Star Trek this year. In this season, uh, David is playing a character called Book, who is an empath uh, who can speak to every what any kind of creature i think pretty much and um, we're going to get more into his character and kind of his journey and where he is with his acting and what he's got coming up and about the you know large amount of sci-fi content he does but i think before any of that the first thing that we need to do with mr david ajala is ask him how the heck lockdown is treating him where he is in the world 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So yeah, how, how is it where you are right now? What is lockdown for you? It's, it's Toronto then, yeah? Yeah, so I'm here in Toronto. And um, I'm actually like, the lockdown is still happening here, you know. A uh, lot, lot of um, bars, restaurants are closed. Theatres, which I miss massively, are closed. Cinemas. And it's only, you're only encouraged to really go out if it's for essential trips and for essential items. So, you know, everyone is in this together one way or another. So I'm just literally just trying to roll the punches, turning lemons into lemonade, you know. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, yeah, we're good. Keep them well. Good, good. Are you keeping yourself kind of, obviously you're a busy man, but you keeping yourself kind of active, trying to do other things? Like how are you killing time outside of, of your work in acting, which obviously we're going to talk about today? <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, I always just try and find a good balance of making sure I have good downtime. And, um, you know, sometimes it is good to keep active and busy, but sometimes it is healthy to just be at peace and just kick back and do nothing yeah. sometimes, you know. So if I'm not kicking back and chilling, I'm reading material, reading books, watching TV. Um, the show that's got me at the moment, and maybe it's because I'm missing London a lot, is If the Shoe Fits with Full Asylum. Okay, I've, I, all right, all right, that's good. Okay, okay. Have you not heard of it, Marcus? Yeah, no, of course I've heard of it, man. Come on, the chemistry with the boys on that show is sensational. The banter is the best, because when I see them, that's me and my boys back in the day. 100%. 100%. So that's just really something really charming and fun about that show. Which is Doesn't it make you remember like when you were like that kind of teenage anxiety when you were trying to talk to somebody that you fancied when you were younger or like yeah. trying to work out trying to work out if they even fancied you. Like it, it just yeah. brought it all back for me. You know, the guys are like, yeah, so, you know, what's going on? What you? Yeah. <laughs> that's wicked to hear, man. No, How did you sure. get into it? Did you just come across it? Yeah, I just randomly saw it on, um, on Instagram one time. And yeah. then, you know, they put up a few little short clips and then I went online, went on YouTube just to check it out. And um, I can see why it's so popular. It's, yeah. it's so much fun. Yeah. And again, like the banter and the um, chemistry between the guys is just, just yeah. work. It's very I genuine. mean, especially Trunks and Philly, man. I think there's, they've just yeah. got a relationship that is, it transcends kind of any, anything else out there, man. You can just, you can feel their love and just their vibes through the screen. Something yeah. great for lockdown, isn't it? I think a lot of people yeah, really enjoy sure. that during lockdown. Yeah, just as levity, things that just light, you know, easy yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah, I've been a fan of that. I've been a fan of kind of light watches as well during lockdown. I mean, there's obviously yeah. a world of content out there that we've had time to consume, but I think yeah. some of the bis- biggest things I've enjoyed have been lighthearted and chilled as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, obviously you're on a show that has got its light moments, but also has got some very deep moments as well. Star Trek's currently yeah. on right now. I'm really happy that we got to speak to you before the show wraps up, you know, in January 2021, because it's kind of getting to that point now where Christmas is going to kick in and everyone's kind of just be Christmasing. Yeah, um, <laughs> Christmasing. Yeah, but, you know, it was a really nice uh, introduction into the show to kind of see book 
jump into season three of Star Trek Discovery. But wait, before we even get into that, Star Trek, mm-hmm. is it something that you were a fan of before you became involved in it in terms of being a character on it? Or was it not? Because it's a big franchise, but some people were into it, some people weren't. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it is a massive franchise. Um, I was familiar with it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, it's been part of popular culture for many, many years. Yeah. So it's more likely than not you would have heard about Star Trek. But I just never saw myself being part of the show. It just wasn't something that seemed to be on my peripheral. Yeah. But um, when the opportunity presented itself, it was something I was really, really excited to do. Yeah. Really excited. And there's, there's something about this specific season going a thousand years into the future, it's like the perfect kind of fertile ground to reinvent things. And then also, you know, to definitely give a little wink and hit the touchstones of all the essence, the touchstones and the essence of what makes Star Trek Star Trek. You want to keep that, but then you also want to be innovative and grow and develop. A hundred percent. I think as a friend, whenever you work within a big franchise, the bigger it is, the harder the challenge is to keep everyone happy because when you're looking at something like Trek, we're literally looking at a 50 year old show and mm-hmm. some. So you've yeah. got, you can have people that may have been actually watching this for 50 years and you know, TV has changed so yeah. much in 50 years. So it's keeping it Trek and also making it new has been something that has always been a challenge. And what's interesting is you've had to keep it Trek and new in this, because like you said, you know, yeah. there's, there's people that have traveled from the era of the original Star Trek or before it all the yeah. way further into the future than we've ever seen before, which is interesting because we get to see old tech, we get to see new tech, we get to meet new races, like your character book. Can you, can you explain, you know, who is book to you? Wow. Um, that's a, as simple as it is, that's a really good question. Who is Book to me? Book represents someone who has, um, because of circumstances, has forced him to reevaluate his life and find purpose. So this is someone who naturally had purpose and an identity within his family. But because of who he is, he was ostracized and was an outcast from his family. So when he's removed from something which has been his foundation of identity, he's now had to rediscover his identity and who he is. And it just so happens that he's discovered his identity by serving humanity. And I think that's something really amazing and selfless. Yeah. Yeah. He's a truly selfless character and he's got empathic abilities. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and which this is one of the things because of the empathic abilities that he has, it means that he just has certain sensibilities which connects him profoundly with um with nature and with animals and with creatures and with sentient beings and again there's something about that that i just really really liked i liked how this guy was just really in tune with the earth with himself yeah man he's a suit he seems like such a a grounded character and i think uh, Mm. uh, a nice thing that he kind of says uh, a lot of the time is people are like, you know, book, just, you know, tell them, tell that animal to do that. Tell the plant to do that. Tell this. To, and you're like, no, I can't, I can't tell them, you know, I, I can ask them though. And it's yeah. kind of, it kind of, when you're really somebody who understands communication, you realize that it's not just about telling people what to do. It's kind of like, you know, asking people what to do, asking them how they feel. And I think yeah. really that has a lot of parallels with regards to what's been kind of happening over the last six months or even longer, you know, across the world where people have been having conversations and understanding that you need to understand someone's point of view mm. outside of your own. So mm. it, it was really cool to see kind of that really being drilled down from book, man. That's awesome, man. That, that's, that's really, really cool to hear. Yeah. And that, that's, that's dope that you picked up on that because it is, there is something special about that when you can have that level of respect for sentient beings to go, yeah. well, I, I can't, force them i can only ask them yeah there's, there's, yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool i, n- I never yeah. saw it like that that's dope. yeah man yeah it's, it's it's very dope and then obviously there are some other characters that you roll with one of them that's been getting a lot of love is grudge i mean i just want to yeah. say there's a picture we're going to clip this and we're going to put this in the video there's a picture of you wearing a cat like no one has worn a cat before oh, i boy. feel like for a lot of people that, that was the first that was the first experience they had of book was this guy that <laughs> There was one scarf that used to top this until you wore grudge, yeah? It was, <laughs> was it the Lenny Kravitz scarf, the super scarf? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, there? The yeah, 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 That yeah, was yeah. the one. That was the <laughs> scarf of all scarves. And then you just came <laughs> along and said, you know what? My scarf is sentient. My scarf's a cat. That's what I'm talking about. I've got a sentient scarf. 
How's that for alliteration? That's what I'm talking about. You yeah, know, man. Go um, hard or go home. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for those that haven't haven't seen Grudge yet, tell us about you know uh, what Grudge is. <laughs> the size Grudge, of her as well. <laughs> yeah, Grudge is um, a beautiful, beautiful cat, a Mancun yeah. cat. Yeah, and um, on set we actually have two um, Mancun cats. So okay. if one cat plays up, then we just go to the other, and they're brothers. So on screen, Grudge is a female. Right. But, you know, um, in reality, uh, Grudge is actually a male. So there's two. Oh, so there's two. Really different. Yeah, so we have two, which just helps. Okay, cool. Grudge, I love that Grudge is in the show, and I love that Grudge and um, Cleveland Booker are a unit that come together. I love his respect for his queen, as he refers <laughs> to her. Um, and I just, there's just something really cool about this guy, and his cat, and there's a whole backstory about how he had, um, how he got this cat, which I won't say because I don't want to spoil it. But um, I, I'm, it's been really, really cool how the fans have responded to their relationship, and especially Grudge. That's been yeah. awesome. What, what's it like working with a cat, though, David? I mean, there's many <laughs> answers I could give. It can be fun. Yeah. It can also be, and spontaneity is good, you know. But yeah. I'll probably say there's a massive level of unpredictability when it comes to working with animals, and especially with Grudge the cat. Grudge um, can be quite temperamental sometimes. So when we're filming, it's quite meticulous how the, the cat handlers would bring the cat onto set, put the cat in position. Everyone has to be ready, lighting, cameraman. Everyone has to be good to go. Then they have to place the cat walk off the set and then we have to do the scene and we have to make sure that there's no shouting or sudden moves, not sudden moves, but just sudden moves with loud noise yeah. don't work for Grudge the Cat at all. So there's yeah. just certain things that we have to be mindful of. And once we do that, she's amazing to work with. Okay. I hear that. Well, it sounds like a bit of a diva. I mean, I've got to be honest, like out a, little of, bit, a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> I've got to be honest though, out of all of the um, animals to work with, I feel like cats are the ones that are most likely to do what they want to do cat cats to me don't really seem like you know sit and fetch kind of animals they seem like hey um you're working for me right now um and um, i'm gonna do what i want yeah (laughs) absolutely that's what it is and you just have to surrender to that and then just keep it moving because you're you're not gonna win (laughs) i hear that man um can you be uh, real with me like how intimidating was it to know that you were going to be stepping into Star Trek because, you know, like we said, it's a massive franchise. It's enormous, mm. man. It's generational, literally. Mm-hmm. How did you feel knowing that you were going to be kind of involved in it? Um, I was really excited. Really excited because um, there, there was the initial conversation I had with my team that said um, the guys behind Star Trek Discovery wanted to speak with me about, you know, uh, this role this new idea that they had for this character. And I thought, okay, cool. So that, there's that initial reaction to, okay, cool. Potentially I could be working on Star Trek. And then I get speaking with the showrunners. And then um, when I'm talking with them, they're just explaining their ideas and their visions for the show. And I'm like, this sounds really, really cool. And I love the character. I love the direction that you're going with. This, this, this feels really, really good. And um, once I kind of mulled over it and thought about it and was at peace with like, yeah, this is what I want to do. That's when the excitement really kicked in because I knew I'd, I'd committed to it. Mm. And then there, there, there's something to be said about when you're stepping on to the set of um, Star Trek Discovery and you're on the bridge and you're just seeing how things work and you have a little moment of, wow, like this is, it's actually here, we're, we're doing this. Mm. It feels familiar, but then it also feels very unfamiliar in a cool way. Yeah, sounds amazing, man. Sounds absolutely amazing. And as well as being on the bridge and, and being around that and make those amazing set designs, you also did some really exciting looking location shoots as well. What kind of places yeah. did you travel to when you were shooting the season? So um, the season premiere, that was mainly shot in Iceland, which was fantastic. And, and, you know, the wonderful thing with Iceland is you can stick a camera nearly anywhere. We're in certain parts of Iceland and... Um, you don't have to worry about cropping your images because the, um, the landscape is so vast 
and it's so beautiful that you don't have to worry about, you know, holding a massive wide frame and worrying about a car driving past in the background or seeing a lamppost. Like it looks very otherworldly. So when you're able to shoot in a location like that and then you take it to post-production and then you're starting to work on, you know, the color grading and whatnot, there's not much you have to maneuver and shift because it's all there. It was an amazing experience to film in Iceland. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it looks, looks amazing, man. And this hasn't really been your first tie-in with Trek because, you know, there's a gentleman called um, Sir Patrick Stewart that is a... Who's that? Being a few films, Who's you know, X-Men and Logan and that, you know, a few other... Oh, him, right. Yeah, I think he'd done a bit of Trek as well back in the day. But oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy, you know, that guy, yeah. A little bit thin on the top. Yeah, that's <laughs> Um, You guys have crossed paths before you were involved in Star Trek, though, right? Yeah. yeah can we just talk about that for a sec because I find that fascinating because you know he's he's up there when it comes to Trek Legends so you know the fact that you've crossed paths is quite interesting how did how did you guys cross paths so we um I worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company on um in mid uh, no worked with Royal Shakespeare Company on three plays in Midsummer Night's Dream Love's Labour's Lost and Hamlet and they're all in rep and then um Patrick Stewart Sir Patrick Stewart was in uh Hamlet playing Claudius and the brother. And the wonderful thing about doing theatre when you're in rep is how much time you spend with the actors and they kind of become your family. And like with Patrick, what's cool with him is just his ease with people. And he's such a gent and so kind and so given. So whenever he spoke about, you know, working on Star Trek or the X-Men franchise or whatnot, he's very open with it. And I think that was um, some of those conversations I remember more and more and I understand why he speaks so fondly about Star Trek and why it's such a special franchise to be a part of. So cut to me now being on the show and we're in San Diego Comic-Con and um, uh, Picard, the Picard TV series is about to be announced on the stage. And then um, Star Trek Discovery, we're about to be announced on stage and no one knows that I'm in the show. And then we're backstage and um, I knew Patrick was going to be there. And then it was just seeing him and then just catching up and just embracing. It was a really, really amazing moment. One that I won't forget, you know, really sweet. That's amazing, man. It's a heartwarming story, man. I think um, we've been really, really blessed with a lot of Trek this year. I mean, we've had, obviously we had Picard earlier on, um, start of the year. Then we've also had Lower Decks and we've had Discovery. At the end of this year, Trek fans like me, we've had 25 weeks of, of new Trek, which I'm, I'm super pleased and happy with, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I can't complain, but we also got some interesting information that David Cronenberg has been confirmed for season four, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we heard book in the recent episodes of Trek. I'm trying to bring it in so that if you haven't watched Discovery, you can, you can watch it without me giving spoilers, but you, he's been asking for a bit more from the show, his character in the show. He's been asking to be around a bit more and I can see book becoming a character who could be part of the crew. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it straight. Are, are, are we going to get an announcement for you for season four yet? Are we allowed to say that yet or not? Can we get any anything from you, David? We'll have to see. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Who knows? Okay. He could be in it. He, we have to see, man. I'm, I'm looking at David's face if you're just listening to the podcast. He doesn't look sad right now. He looks happy. That's all I'm saying. He's smiling. <laughs> he's not winked at all. He has winked, but it was just a blink because he's winking with both eyes at the same time. So I'm not going <laughs> to read anything at all. Um, I mean, look, it'd be great to see more of booking the show moving forward. And, and you know, sure, the guys sure. the guys at Trek Culture that we work with, they kind of wanted to know that as well, man, because, uh, yeah, uh, we absolutely are big fans of book as well. I mean, that's really awesome. Thank you, man. By the way, thanks, man. I know time difference and everything, so I appreciate well, you. No, it's fine. No problem, man. I'll just be eating away. So um, I'm actually enjoying some avocado and a little sandwich here. Listen, so, you know what? Before we move on to the next question, isn't it? This is, oh, I'm seeing the avocado. That's a good ripeness of avocado. It's very, very good. I have you to know say. what? With it's avocado, uh, David, I'm, re- I'm really, yeah. um, I'm really weird. Like, it's either too not ripe enough or too ripe. Mm. I need to. I'm, I'm really specific. I like it a certain ripeness. So I've got. I'm yeah. the kind of guy that will watch that avocado and I like <laughs> go and give it a feel every half a day. Yeah, and then when it's ripe, because <laughs> if it's half a day late, I'd oh, ruined it now. But um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean it. It's it's very precise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't. I can't it's be having my avocado. 
perfect yeah. avocado, but it's all about timing. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, you were saying, did I go back to watch some of the Star Trek stuff? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So did you, did you decide to, um, yeah, everybody, everyone has a different approach. Did you decide to go and consume some more Trek before you worked on the show or did you want to go yeah. in to the fresh? I, um, I checked out a bit of the old school stuff, which, um, I mean, old school stuff, the previous iterations of Star Trek. I um, wanted to just kind of watch little bits to familiarize myself just a little more. But then at the same time, I like the element of keeping it fresh and not knowing too much. Yeah. So even with Star Trek Discovery, season one and two, I didn't really watch it. And I didn't watch it because I knew that season three would go in a thousand years into the future. And I didn't want to become too familiar with the characters. So if I'm watching Discovery season one and two in my living room, and I'm seeing these faces of Tilly, of Michael Burnham, of Saru, uh, Stamets, and then now I'm acting with them, I'm going to be a bit too familiar. So I wanted it to be completely fresh, which is the okay. reason why it was tough, but I wasn't able to, I didn't watch Discovery season um, one and two. And I think that freshness has kind of allowed me to navigate and take ownership of the character and his journey a little more. Yeah, man. A hundred. I mean, look, your your character is meeting people who are relics, really, aren't they? Like they're mm. thousand years old, you know. And and so what's great is, is the reactions when they're whipping out of you know what was their cutting edge tech because they're from you know from a, a ship that's got a, you know can got a spore drive uh, that can travel anywhere in the galaxy at any point. They go a thousand years in the future, and people are like, "You still use those?" It's it's like us literally looking at people that are using like stones to crack open nuts, and that's their high tech. Wow. That's their technology. So yeah, that comes across in the character, man. For sure. Yeah, I think I think um, one has to have, especially for a character like Cleveland Booker, there needs to be the freedom to be autonomous, but then also very present at the same time and connected. And I just like the fact that he is slightly otherworldly, but then also very present at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. He, he meets people where they are. I yeah. think I think it's a nice quality to have. It's kinda you know what, you need someone like that in your friendship group. Do you know that? You need to you yeah, like, I'm a believer you need a hot headed person, yeah. You need somebody who's 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 ready to fight for the cause, but you also need that grounded yeah. person in your team who's just who's just ready to come to you and communicate to to you and with you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That, that balance is important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to get into talking about a bit more sci-fi stuff in a moment, but I just want to let you know that um, you've actually got a connection with How to Kill an Hour, actually. We actually hold hold oh, you yeah. and your your lineage quite quite dear to us because okay. when we first l l launched the show, um, we launched with an animation, uh, which was a clip of the show. And that animation was made by Geroff My Visuals, Visuals <laughs> a.k.a. your bro. You right. raised that's right, Gabriel. Gabe. Yeah, Gabriel. Yeah. So um yeah, I just thought I wanted to let you know about that at some point in the show. So yeah, you actually have got a connection with us here at Hatkin an hour. That's amazing. I was just on the phone to my bro um like an hour ago. Yeah, actually. Yeah, because we turned this around last minute. I've not told him yet. I'm gonna message him and say, oh, I just had a nice chat with your bro, but I just wanted to keep it fresh <laughs> and just 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 chat with you. But yeah, man, I just want to say like we'll 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 whip it out, we'll show it to you at some point in the future. We'll send you a link to yeah, it that'll be great out to there on socials. That. But yeah, man. So um That's so cool, man. That's, that's a really cool story. Love that. Yeah, man. It was really important for us uh, early on, you know, before we had the studio space that we could record in to kind of have a visual representation of our podcast. So he yeah. helped to do that and he took some of the wacky chat that myself and Ace were having at the time and turned it into some awesome visuals that you know st still get you know likes and shares today man so yeah i just thought i'd let you know about that real quick man oh, that's you, cool thank you for sharing that man is, is he into the sci-fi stuff as well like are you giving him little updates on what's happening in trek and stuff like that or is that <laughs> a little bit i mean yeah. i think with my brother g he just he loves movies he's, he's a movie buff yeah period you know and um he always shows love anything i'm working on you know he'll always make the effort to watch it and check it out mm. um so when we're talking about science fiction our like favorite science fiction movies would probably in the be in the realm of like Terminator, Back to the Future, um, Goonies, sci-fi fantasy maybe, yeah. um, the old school stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like something like Star Trek and like Star Wars, we are familiar with and we do enjoy. But I think he enjoys it a lot more now because you know obviously his bros in it. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. Proud brother, man. I, I think yeah. I even remember speaking to him at the time. He's like, you know, my brother's an actor. I was like, I think I do, you know? <laughs> yeah, because I saw his side. It was like, 
Yeah, I've seen I've seen your brother in a few in a few flicks. Um, I've noticed though, you do get cast a lot in sci-fi. You are somebody who's yeah. doing a lot of sci-fi at the moment. Why do you think that is? I'm not even sure, but it's been happening um quite quite recently, like the past um maybe uh, four years or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's like I won't even say like peaks and troughs. I'll just say um there's different transitional periods, and yeah. I think this period now and past maybe a few years or so has been of course naturally gravitated towards science fiction nothing that i chose on purpose or specifically thought about but i'm just driven by character and if that character just happens to be in the genre of science fiction then it is what it is but it's been it's been really special to have crossed the different within the genre of science fiction to go from doing something like supergirl to night flyers to star trek Mixing yeah. it up like that has been a lot of fun. And then you also get to interact with the fan bases at the various different shows, which is another fun thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, man, um, the, the, the fan art must be coming in now. The, uh, the, the fan mail yeah, must be coming in as well. So, you know, I think that... You, are you really seeing the loyalty from the franchises out here? Because even like even the DC stuff that you... Because you're one of the few people that's played a few characters in DC as well, haven't you? Because you did... Batman oh, yeah. and, and Supergirl. Supergirl yeah. yeah, so you, so yeah, so you're kind of finding out all of these because again, Superman, so, that's such a, a massive franchise. The whole DC franchise that goes back for years as well. So what's yeah. it like when you're kind of connecting with these audiences, man? Because I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I would say I have a higher knowledge than most, but there are some people who literally will just consume the franchise's content all the time. You know, they yeah. may even dare I say no content and characters that you've played better than yourself. <laughs> Do you no, know it's, true. I mean? it's, it's, it's so true. And it's, it's something really special about that. How um, fans of different um, genres and specific shows just are so committed to it, like fully, fully, fully. And not just um, embracing the content, but like being so knowledgeable about the show, knowledgeable about individual characters. And with something like Star Trek, we're talking about, I'm not sure the years on the timeline of what it is from the original Star Trek to where we're at now, which is Star Trek Discovery, um, that time frame and how there are some fans out there that are able to track it and follow it. And that's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. It blows my mind that they're able to have that level of detail to be able to track it and follow it. So when you go from meeting a fan base of um, people from like the Star Trek universe and they share their, their experiences with you about how, what Star Trek means to them, For me personally, not only is it a really special interaction, but it just reminds me of the power that we have as storytellers and how our stories really do impact people in the most special ways. Yeah. It's it's real fuel. Yeah. And then you'll meet like people from the Supergirl world, you know, and then that's just a different vibe. But one thing I have to say, like across the board, is the love that fans show. I don't take it for granted. Oh, man, that's, that's really, really good to hear. I mean, you've done a lot of screen work recently and you've also got experience in live as well. Do you think you'll ever go back to doing theatre as well in the future? Would you like to do that again? Yeah. If the opportunity presents itself, um, I would love to. That, that's, I started my, um, my career acting on the stage. I think it's one of the places where you really learn your craft, you know, and especially when you're performing in front of an audience that changes every night. And, you know, when you're on stage, it's one long take. It's not like on a film or TV set where you hear cuts so often and you get to reset. <laughs> yeah. Something about, you know, the courage and the excitement of jumping on that train. And it's a moving train. This is how I liken theatre in a metaphysical way. It's a moving train. You jump on that train and it may be turbulent and, you know, it may go a different route than you anticipated, but it's going to get to the destination and you have to stay on the train. It's like we're doing a play. You commit at the beginning and then you see it through. Nice, nice, nice. All right, I look forward to seeing you on stage again, man, when we're all, when we're all yeah. allowed out. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Oh, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've done a, a bit of video game work as well. What I'm really enjoying is the fact that I think in the same way that television sometimes was held back by the fact that it or sci-fi shall i say specifically was held back by the fact that they didn't have the capacity to create the worlds that the things were that the stories were written in 
And now you can do that. Now, obviously, you can fly to Iceland, but you can also create a spaceship a thousand years in the future that's flying around the planet. And it looks way more realistic than it did a long time ago, right? Yeah, um, yeah. The same thing's happening with computer games. And you've done, you've, you've done work in computer games before. I mean, is that something you'd still like to do as well? Because I feel like voice acting for computer games is sometimes is having more, well, increasingly having more reach than what the cinematic world is doing or even, you know, your on-demand television. Because, for example, yeah. a computer game that uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has just mm-hmm. dropped now as recording the podcast this week, took 10 years to produce and it has already made all its money back. <laughs> They're in wow. the black. So you've worked in I gaming. Mean, yeah, you've worked in gaming before. So you, was, it Mass, was it Mass Effect that you were? Yeah, so Mass Effect. It, yeah. I worked on uh, briefly, and then also uh, Need for Speed. That was it. Hey, um, yeah. Need for Speed um, was great. Mass Effects, that was in the studio doing a bit of voiceover stuff. But with uh, Need for Speed, not only was it doing the voiceover stuff in the studio, but it was doing all the mocap, motion caps, yeah. motion capture stuff, which was a weird, wonderful world to kind of embrace. Mm. Um, this is one of the things about working in the entertainment industry. You go from doing a play to motion capture and, you know, working on Need for Speed and whatnot. And I think all these different elements of performance and storytelling is, um, it's all connected. It's just the genres are different, but it's all, it's all the same. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Hundred, 110%. Mm. What, what, what do you think you'd be doing, David? If you weren't, if you weren't acting, what do you think you'd be up to? If I weren't acting, what would I be up to? I wasn't acting. I would probably be in some sort of capacity of, of um, working uh, in business in some sense. I always likened myself to be a bit of an entrepreneur, you know. Um, and yeah. if it wasn't uh, working in business, it would definitely be something artistic and fun, something fun. A musician also. I used to play music. I really? still, every now and then, like, um, drum, well, I say music, drums, percussion. Okay. Did you do like it. the grading system and stuff as well? Have you got like your grade or? No, no, it was just literally, I learned in a very unorthodox way. It was in church, in the choir. Every now and then when the drummer would play, he would, um, he would help me with my um, rudiments when it came to drumming. After church, every now and then sporadically. And then when the time was right during a church service, he would allow me to jump on the drums for like a minute and then I'm playing for a minute and then if I mess up or whatever, he'll take over straight away. And that's how I kind of learned. Wow. Um, and I think there's just something about drums and, you know, driving the beat and the rhythm that I just enjoy doing. But I need, I need to get back onto the drums. I haven't drummed in quite a while. Yeah, you need to make sure you haven't got neighbours when you've got drums, in it Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's fun for you at the time. <laughs> yeah, but for them. Not for them, not for them, man. Um, so I'm going to go move on to a point. It's, it's hard for us to discuss this after yesterday's game, but I understand you're a bit of an Arsenal fan. Um, oh, Arsenal? Who's that? Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Marcus, you're losing me, man. What's Arsenal? What? Huh? Uh, so, um, how do you like to kill time when you're not watching sports? <laughs> I feel like I just killed it. I just killed the whole interview. I just are, see- you, an Ar- are you an Arsenal fan? I'm an Arsenal fan, bro. So okay, you yeah. know what? No, you know what? I'm 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 gonna say what our friend Frank Butcher of the show says. I am a fan of a team that has a very cool looking kit, and I will buy it, and I will look fashionable in their kit. That's what I am right now, bro. Because I'm not a football I fan. I hear I'm hurting inside. <laughs> I hear you, and I'm gonna that same answer. I'm going to use it. And that's going to be my new answer when someone asks me if I'm an Arsenal fan. Because <laughs> the pain can... I wonder sometimes, why do we put ourselves through it? Why do we do this to ourselves? Because to lose... I mean, that it, it just summed it up for me. Yeah. Losing to Burnley and the way we did. And Xhaka. And the way he conducted himself. And I'm just looking at the team. And I'm looking at Aubameyang. And it's like, what happened? It's like you gave somebody the ingredients for a cake and you walk out the room and you come back in again and they've somehow managed to just make a mess of things. The pot's broken, 
there's flour outside of the bowl. You've not even got the flour in the bowl. The flour's outside of the bowl. You've not got the fundamentals right. It's um, If you're not a football fan, basically Arsenal ain't doing very well at the moment. We should be doing a lot better. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of people saying that Arteta should be out. Uh, that's uh, the guy who's, make, who's supposed to be making things happen for us right now. Um, yeah. And it ain't happening. I feel like I can see the rage in your face, David. <laughs> it's it's not. Maybe my face is betraying me. It's a whole you're, a train, you're a trained actor as well. This is a thespian. <laughs> you know what? I just couldn't even... Uh, I had multiple thoughts as you were just explaining that. And I'm just thinking about Arteta and I'm thinking about the board and I'm just thinking about the team. Yeah. And, and where, we are, where, where we are at on the table. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What, what are we, 14th? Yeah, so we're, we're looking we're looking like candidates for relegation. And that's not me being silly. That's actual feasibility right now. And I don't want to be a part of that conversation. And what's weird is we're one of the football teams, the few football teams that's actually uh, in profit. Do you know that? We're one of the few really? profitable teams. Yeah, a lot of football teams just sink a lot of money and lose it. But yeah, we're, we are, well, when I last checked, we're a profitable team. Don't seem to know. Okay, so we're, we're, we're profitable. Ain't, don't, ain't spending the money in the right place. Anyway, right. Anyway, look, I'm, I'll move on because I look like I'm just, I'm not making this any better for you. Right. So what <laughs> have you got coming up that you can tell us about? Not just season four of Star Trek, which you confirmed to me 100% earlier on in this. <laughs> smooth, smooth, smooth. <laughs> smooth, tripping off the tongue. Um, going forward, um, there's one project I can't talk about. Okay. Uh, um, but then there's another project which I can talk about, which is a cool movie. Um, it's a working title film. At the moment, the temporary title is Italian Studies. Okay. And um, it's a film directed by Adam Leon, and it has a starring Vanessa Kirby. She's a wonderful girl, very talented actress. And this will be our reunion, because I've worked with Vanessa on two previous films. So this will be the third film that we collaborate. Okay. Which is just really, really sweet. And it's about um, this lady who has a mental condition where she has um, spouts of losing her memory, short-term memory loss. Mm -hmm. And this film is just going to show what that world looks like from a very intimate place. And we follow this woman's story. Now she navigates her day-to-day -day life. Um, how she navigates her day-to-day -day life and um, what the experience is like for her to be dealing with what she's dealing with. And I play Vanessa's um, husband. Okay. Uh, I, I, I did do a little bit of IMDb and you play Ade. So you're playing a Nigerian man? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And I, I chose, um, uh, kindly, the director and writer allowed me to choose the name Ade. They had a previous name for the character. And I thought, uh, I just like the idea of this guy. I think the name that they had for him, it was an English name. It was a cool name. But I just wanted it to be, an, he, I wanted him to have a name that when you hear it, it, it's his culture. It's not. It's not. It's not a British name. I just wanted it to be. So someone says, "Oh, Ade, where's that name from?" Oh, that name's from Nigeria. Mm. What does it mean? Oh, it means crown. Mm. I wanted to have some a specific name which connected to my culture. So yeah. that's why we went with Ade. Oh, so you you like the good jollof rice then? That's what we like. One hundred. I mean, good the stuff. only jollof rice. I wore out here. You know what? You said that, not me. <laughs> I'm not trying to catch any cases with anybody. So you said the only to love. I, I'm saying it's one of, but I'll happily embrace that compliment. The real one. <laughs> uh, can you get some good Nigerian eats out there in Canada? Are there yes, people, especially okay. in Toronto. I mean, it's such a great melting pot of different cultures. So I just go into the Uber Eats app, just check through the list of different cuisines, West Africa, click it, and then I look at the different Nigerian restaurants and then just choose some stuff. I had some jollof rice and some moi moi a few weeks ago. Mm. That, was just... mm. that was wonderful, man. There's there's nothing like having some some good, solid cooking that you've not had for a long time, and especially if you're away from home, right? Because obviously I know you, you do spend a lot of time, obviously, uh, East Coast, West Coast, Canada, like creating, con creating content, creating content, I can't create acting, but Obviously, you're a British man at heart, and obviously, to have a little bit of, of family cooking is is a nice little thing to have. I was going to ask you what kind of apps you use the most, but Uber's kind of a really good example of how you, how you can kind of stay close 
to your culture using technology. Do you know what I mean? Because for me, yeah. food is an important part of my culture. Like, I yeah, think, you know, the fact that you're saying jollof rice and moimoy, I'm just imagining that, you know, a little bit of stew on the side. I'm, I'm, I'm already in the zone now. I'm already thinking about food. It's very important. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was going to ask you. I'm Nigerian, so I'm half Nigerian, okay. half British. So, yeah, so a Yoruba okay. man as well. So that's why I said, Ajala, you know, man will say that your name correctly. Yeah, come man. on, come on. That's why I didn't even need to correct it when you said it the first time. <laughs> Um, I was so I was going to say to you, um, what kind of yeah? Is there any other app or tech that you find yourself using right now out there? Because mm. I mean, apart from like yeah, the Uber Eats app. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, tech, just looking around. Any... I mean, it's a, you've got a big TV. Yeah, this, yeah, it's quite a big, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's quite sizable. But I tell you what, this this may seem very kind of basic, but I was quite impressed by it. Just how you can have an HDMI cable attached to the laptop and then put it onto the um, onto TV and watch stuff. So I've been trying to watch like stuff on BBC iPlayer, but you can't do it when you're in Canada. Mm. So what I did, I got my wife to screen record the episode, a Small Acts, the TV series on BBC One, directed by Steve McQueen. So she filmed it for me and then sent it to me on a WeTransfer file. I uh, opened up on the laptop, plugged in the HDMI cable, plugged it into the TV, and then I was watching Small Acts, the TV series, like I was watching on BBC iPlayer. What that, for me, was yeah. very impressive. Yeah. Well, what a lovely show as well. Speaking about culture and heritage, I think the stories that they tell very in powerful. Small Acts, very powerful. And, and I've learned so much. Like, obviously, mm. there's always learned to do, but like, I knew some of the stories, some of the stories were like, based in West London, like quite close to where I'm based. But then you've got other stories from slightly different times and eras. And I'm, I'm like, wow, like there's so much we we don't know about what happened relatively recently in the UK. Mm-hmm. So it's a great yeah. watch, man. It's a great, great watch. It really watch. is. It really, really is, man. And um, we don't really see, I mean, Nigerian heritage. My wife is Jamaican. So when we're watching when we're talking about these stories and when, you know, I was speaking to her about small acts, this is her heritage. This is her family, her grandparents. Um, and we, we haven't seen that um, uh, depiction of life for the West Indian community in like the seventies and whatnot in Britain. And to have that depicted in a really honest, truthful way, you know, is really special, really important. It's just a shame it's taken this long, but better late than never. 100%. Yeah. Better late than never is, is where I'm standing yeah. with it. And, and, you know, feel free to make more content like that BBC. That's one of the reasons why you're there for. So Absolutely. Let's, let's Absolutely. You know, continue to make that content. That's, that's the whole point. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why we need corporations like that that are publicly funded worldwide so that we can have this kind of content made and made well, you know? Yeah. Great standards. Well said. Well said. To be made well. Yeah. Yeah. Made with the respect that's needed. And, yeah, man. Great, great. Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a really great way to kill time. We'll take that down as your official way to kill time is managing to get that small axe all the way over there in Canada as well. When are you going to be back over here in the UK? If we're I, yeah, I fly, um, I fly home uh, this... So it's just a um, siren. What's that? Oh, fire engine. Toronto Fire. Uh, I fly back uh, home this week, which I'm looking forward to. Okay. Um, Christmas, for the Christmas break. Um, yeah, I man, I'm just going to kick back with the fans, enjoy the festivity. Um, also being very grateful. Mm-hmm. Very, very thankful because we're all going through stuff at this time, you know, and there's so much happening in the world. And um, usually, like, my, um, my family we do Secret Santa for Christmas, which is always cool. And our thing with doing Secret Santa is just to alleviate the pressure of having to buy, because I've got a big family, having to buy presents for everyone. Mm. It's just like buy presents for the kids and then it's one good present that you have to buy. Yeah. And we simplify just to remind each other that, you know, in this essence, Christmas is about the birth of Christ. So let's just celebrate not just, you know, the, um, the abundance of stuff and food and this and the other, but like gratitude, being thankful and the simple things, you know, mm. and um, this year round, I don't think we're doing Secret Santa or buying presents because our gift is each other. It really is. 
Oh, that's wonderful to hear, man. And I think yeah. <clears throat> these few days that we get together is it's I think it's gonna be a totally different Christmas to to mm. any other Christmas that I can ever remember. And this is probably this might be the change of, you know, the way that we kind of look at these family situations. I think we I think we're all appreciating it more this year so much. And and yeah, yeah. And I've worded it better than how you just said it there, David. I think that's a sure. great that's a great way to end on this podcast, man. That's a great way to end. Um I know you're pretty active on Twitter. Is that where we should tell everyone to head over to you and let 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 you know what they think of the latest episode of Discovery yeah. as, as it drops? For sure. Twitter, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, it is always fun kind of just dipping in and out of Twitter and Instagram, you know, because like when we do the show, we, we love what we do. We create this, this world. We tell these stories. These, we share these characters' lives. But once we've done our work, it doesn't belong to us anymore. It's yours. You know, so when we're interacting, we're interacting to see what your experience yeah. is like, good or bad, whatever, yeah. just what yeah. your experience is like. Yeah. And that's always fun to do. Yeah, I mean, the only, <clears throat> excuse me, the only negative thing I think I've had felt about this year in Star Trek, and this is just pure mm. gluttony, is just not enough, man. <laughs> Look, I think, I think Discovery, uh, I think the studios will let me say that to you. I think it could do with some 20, 20 episode long seasons. I think you've got enough, <laughs> you've got enough characters in there, man. So many characters. You've got such a diverse, wonderful set of characters. All of all, you know. And I want to, yeah, man, I want to see some more book. We saw a little bit of your world. We saw a bit of your relationship. We saw how two people from your species have these very unique relationships. I want to see more of that, man. Show me some more. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's put it out there. You got the money, Netflix. Come on, you got the money, Between Let's make it happen. (laughs) Let's make it happen. I'll make the call. Um, yeah, um, look, I, I, really, <laughs> I really look forward to catching up with you in the future, man. Um, whatever, regardless of whether it's sci-fi or not, it'd be great to have you back on the show in some capacity. And I wish you all of the best. I'm going to message your brother after we've uh, spoken, saying I just spoke to your bro. <laughs> Be sure, man. And go no, from there, yeah. really it was great to just catch up and just talk. And um and just share share stories. That, that was dope. Really enjoyed no it. No problem, man. There's you know that's that's one way that we like to kill time over here. And I just want to say to the audience as well, make sure you know you follow David on social media. So it's D I D A V I D A J A L A. And uh, yeah, we're at How to Kill an Hour on all socials, and I'm at Marcus Bronzer on all socials. There's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you for killing some time with us. Peace. 